Welcome to Expert Sport Nutrition Podcast with your St. FX Sport Dietetic Interns. We want to thank you for taking the time to listen to us as we express our passion for nutrition. Expert Sport Nutrition is a podcast on all things going on in the sport nutrition world here at St. FX. Listen in as we break down nutrition information and interview dietitians for their experience in the field. Okay, hello everyone. Thanks for tuning in for another episode of Expert Sport Nutrition. I'm Megan. And I'm Kelsey. And today we're going to hit on a bit of the connection between food and mood. So you can expect to learn a little bit more about how the gut and the brain are connected and how a varied and balanced diet can lead to improved overall physical and mental well-being. So let's get into it. Great. So we know that over the last decade, the prevalence of mental health issues has been increasing rapidly. Some studies have suggested that over 300 million people are living with depression and another 260 million are suffering from some form of an anxiety disorder. Mental illness on its own is worrisome, but we also know that many of these mental conditions are really linked to an increased risk for things such as cardiovascular disease, high blood pressure, and a weakened immune system. Mental illnesses are multifactorial, so really a number of things can contribute to their development, and research has shown that diet is a modifiable risk factor. So what this means is that what we eat can either increase our risk of a mental illness, help to decrease the risk and prevent one, or just help in the overall management of a mental illness. Yeah, so like you said, there is a link between what we eat and our mental state, and there's a lot of growing interest in this. So there's this new term out there, nutritional psychiatry, and this essentially looks to describe and understand the relationship between dietary factors and mental health disorders. So again, in this podcast, we're kind of going to highlight how food impacts your well-being and how the brain and gut are connected, and then we're going to look to provide you guys with some key nutrients and foods to pay attention to, and how you can begin to make some subtle shifts in your diet and eating patterns to ensure optimal well-being. You may have heard people say before that the gut is like your second brain. Well, there is definitely some truth to this statement. There is a concept that we call the brain-gut axis, and this is defined as a bidirectional relation between our brain and our gut, essentially thinking about it like a two-way street. This is connected by what we call the vagus nerve. This bidirectional communication occurs between two nervous systems known as our central and our enteric nervous systems. The enteric nervous system includes a number of neurons and they control our motor functions, our local blood flow, mucosal transport and secretions, and they help to regulate our immune and endocrine functions. Years ago, it was believed that our brain was the leader of our body and controlled everything through a one-way street. Now we have learned that the gut is not only a follower, but rather a leader of our amazing bodies. Yeah, so you may be wondering, how does the brain have a direct effect on the stomach or gut? Well, for example, the very thought of eating can release the stomach juices before food even gets there. So for instance, I know personally sometimes just the thought of food or seeing food pop up on my social media can make my stomach growl. And then going beyond this, an unsettled gut can also send signals to the brain, just as an unsettled brain can send signals to the gut. So we all know that feeling the gut sensation or your gut feeling And this catchphrase literally looks to emphasize the connection between our brain and our gut. So a person's stomach or gut distress can be the cause or the product of anxiety, stress, or depression. And this is because the brain and gastrointestinal system are intimately connected. So for simplicity's sake, I'm just going to start referring to the gastrointestinal system as the GI system for the rest of this episode. Yeah, so building on that, an example that most people can relate to is the impact of stress. When we're experiencing a stressful situation, we often tend to feel it in our stomachs. Think about when you get butterflies in your tummy. I know we've all been there. We're either not hungry at all or we kind of feel like snacking on everything. Numerous studies have found that chronic stress has a negative impact on food behavior and is correlated with a diet higher in calories, reduced intake in fruits and vegetables, 
increased intake of sweet and fatty foods, and an overall lower healthy eating index score. The cells in our gut play a role in the regulation of our food intake by producing what we call neurotransmitters and a variety of hormones that communicate to the brain. Numerous data sources also show that what we eat and when we eat is affected by the function and composition of our gut microbiome. Yeah, so supporting what you said there, a number of studies have found that dietary patterns and food choices play an important role in the treatment and even more important, the prevention of brain-based disorders, particularly looking at depression. So we have some common antidepressant nutrients uh, that includes folate, iron, our long-chain omega-3 fatty acids, magnesium, our B vitamins such as B6 and B12, and then we also have vitamin D. So today we're going to kind of dial in on a few of these nutrients and briefly explain how they can be linked to improve mental well-being and how you can start to incorporate them into your diet. So starting off with omega-3s, there's been a lot of interest on the role of fatty acids on mental health. So we know that the brain is largely made up of fat and fatty acids, specifically looking at DHA. And omega-3 fats perform a number of roles inside the body. They make up our cell membranes, uh, they have anti-inflammatory effects as well as antioxidant effects. So really they look to help us promote a healthy brain and brain cells and slow down any deterioration of, of the brain that we often see with aging. So when it comes to omega-3s, what kind of foods are we looking at exactly? Yeah, so food sources of omega-3 fatty acids can range from seafoods, fat and oils, and nuts and seeds. So some common sources are chia, flax, and hemp seeds. And then in, in addition to this, some of our best sources of omega-3 are oily fish and seafood. And we want to try and consume this at least two times a week, which is something I'm definitely guilty of not eating enough of. But some examples include mackerel, sardines, salmon, herring, arctic char, mussels, trout, and anchovies. And then when it comes to fish, we kind of want to focus on our fresh fish that hasn't been breaded or battered, even though that might taste better. And then choosing a canned fish if that's a cheaper option. And if we are choosing that one with little to no sodium added. As well, most of us often cook with um, oils such as canola, flaxseed, or even soybean oil. And all of these also contribute omega-3 fatty acids to the diet. Yeah, exactly. And when it comes to omega-3s, uh, we also know that they promote heart health and reduce inflammation. So really, it's a win-win all around. Yeah, so like you mentioned, fish is a great source of omega-3 fatty acids, and we often hear it being promoted for improved brain health. Not only does fish contain these omega-3s, but it's also a great source of vitamin D, which is another key nutrient for improved mental well-being. Some studies have shown that vitamin D status can impact cognitive and mood disorders, and an insufficient amount of vitamin D in the body can really negatively impact our mental well-beings. Yeah, and some research has even shown that there's a potential link between vitamin D and serotonin, which we also refer to as our happiness hormone. And it seems that adequate amounts of vitamin D in the blood is needed to activate the process in the brain, which allows for serotonin production. Yeah, pretty crazy, right? So other than fish, some other food sources of vitamin D include uh, things like eggs, margarine, mushrooms, tofu. You can even get fortified orange juice with vitamin D or milk and fortified milk alternatives such as a soy milk. Yeah, so there's really not a huge number of food sources, but we can also get this nutrient from the sun, from sun exposure and supplements. Exactly. Vitamin D is unique in the sense that the body can make it when it's exposed to sunlight. Of course, there are a number of factors that really influence how much vitamin D your body can make, and this includes things like the time of day that we're out in the sun, whether or not we use sunscreen, our age, and even the color of our skin. 
And sadly, the time of year and the latitude of where we're located really impacts this. So where most of us are probably living in Canada, we are known for our winters um, in our northern latitude. So sunlight exposure in the winter really isn't enough to synthesize any vitamin D. So essentially what this means is that in the winter time, we're not producing nearly enough vitamin D through our skin. And since vitamin D is present in only a few foods and often in small amounts, there's often a need for a supplement. Yes, exactly. While we cannot recommend any specific supplements, if this is something that you're interested in, we really suggest that you reach out to a healthcare provider such as a registered dietitian. Perhaps one of the best ways to promote a healthy gut microbiome is through a diversified diet rich in fiber. Fiber helps to produce short-chain fatty acids, which are really like superfoods to our brains. Usually, I really don't like using the word superfood because it's essentially just a big marketing term used today. However, in this context, I use superfood to really hit home this idea that fiber is one of the more, most important aspects to a healthy gut. A general recommendation for fiber intake in regards to our gut microbiomes is to consume about 35 to 40 different plants a week. Wow, I mean, I think I eat pretty healthy, but that does seem like a lot. I know. It really does sound overwhelming when you hear it quantified like that. However, it really is easier than it sounds. If most of us are eating a diverse diet rich in fruits, vegetables, lots of nuts, legumes, and herbs and spices, we're definitely feeding our gut appropriately. Uh, just take some time to think about a meal like a lentil or chickpea pasta. You're likely throwing in a few different vegetables, maybe some peppers, onions, even spinach. You have your legumes, and you're probably adding lots of different spices and herbs for some additional flavoring. So that right there just shows you how easy it is to incorporate several different fiber sources in a meal. And additionally, if you serve it over a whole grain pasta, your gut will really be extra happy. Yeah, I guess when we hear uh, 35 to 40 plants a week, that can be very overwhelming, but we often forget that nuts, legumes, and seeds are also considered plants. Uh, but what are some other ways that we can add fiber into our diet to promote this healthy gut? So there's really a lot of different ways you can do this. Um, just a simple way to start is just choosing more whole grain options for your breads and your pastas. So if you're somebody who doesn't really like whole grain products, just try starting out small. So incorporating half whole grain and half white. So maybe if you're making a sandwich, doing one slice of whole grain bread and one slice of white bread. Another great way to get more fiber in your diet is by trying to add some more nuts and seeds in. So items like chia seeds are a great addition to things like smoothies, your yogurt bowls, and even your morning oatmeal. They're packed full of fiber and you really don't even know that they're in there. Personally, I like adding bran buds into my yogurt or cereal in the morning. That's just a super easy way to get lots of fiber, but I'm a bit of a fiber fanatic. Yeah, as your roommate, I can definitely confirm that. <laughs> so we can't just sit here and tell you to eat more fiber without ensuring that you're also drinking enough water alongside of that. So fiber absorbs water, which makes our stool bulkier and easier to pass. When we drink water, it helps keep us hydrated, it prevents constipation, and it softens the stool, which allows it to pass through our colons without excessive pressure. Because this fiber absorbs water, if you consume too much without enough water, you may experience constipation, and nobody wants that. <laughs> nope, nobody wants that, for sure. <laughs> uh, another big trend that we're seeing in the nutrition world today is around probiotics and prebiotics. So you might even be wondering what these terms mean. So starting with the probiotic, essentially probiotics are live bacteria that can be found in both food and supplements. So some great probiotic food sources include things such as yogurt, as well as our fermented foods like kimchi and sauerkraut. It's really important to remember that diet and food is so much more effective at changing the gut microbiome than just choosing a supplement. So we really wanna focus on that food first approach. Uh, interestingly, probiotics have been proposed as a method to treat anxiety by improving mood, and there's really a lot of research out there to help support this. 
However, this may not work effectively if we don't pair the probiotic with what we call a prebiotic. So prebiotics are compounds in food that promote the growth and activity of the probiotics. So all you need to remember is that prebiotics feed probiotics. So what does that look like in terms of food? Yeah, so again, coming at you with the fiber talk. So prebiotics are really those high fiber foods. So to make probiotics do their job, we need the prebiotics such as fiber. So our fruits, our vegetables, our nuts, legumes, seeds, all that good stuff. And if you haven't realized it by now, incorporating more diet, more fiber into your diet is so, so important for overall physical health and also our mental well-being. So all of these recommendations we have been providing you might seem overwhelming at first, and we really don't want you to think that you need to eat like 35 different plants every week, fish at least twice a week, every single week, or you'll see your mental health decline. Realistically, our eating changes from week to week, and one single meal won't make or break your nutrient intake. We don't want you worrying over every single nutrient that you're consuming or not consuming, but we really do want to try and eat a balanced diet that incorporates a number of whole foods and trying to move away from this typical westernized diet. And this is a diet that is, you know, really rich in processed foods, high in refined sugars, sodium, and added fats. Yeah, and on the topic of general dietary patterns, as you just mentioned, moving away from the Western diet, if we do this, this means we need to adapt a new style of eating. And what we're seeing a lot of people pick up is the Mediterranean-based diet. And essentially, this diet is the complete opposite of typical Western diet, and it looks to focus on traditional whole foods, rich in fiber, omega-3s, and vitamin D, all the things that we have just been hitting on. Yeah, and the Mediterranean style of eating has been shown to also increase the diversity of the gut microbiome that we talked about earlier in the podcast as well. So by adjusting your intake to fit this more Mediterranean-based style of eating, you'll easily be making some of the changes that we've already hit on. You'll definitely be consuming more fruits, vegetables, fish and seafood, as well as those nuts and seeds, and you'll begin to see that you are consuming less processed foods as you add in this, this stuff. And this isn't to say that you can never have things you enjoy, like chips, candies, hamburger, all that good stuff. But it's taking a step back and realizing that these foods can fit into your diet, but the frequency in which you consume them might be a bit less. Exactly. And we know that the more variety in the diet, the better for our gut and also the better for our overall relationship with food. So shifting our focus slightly as we close out this episode, we also just want to focus on the importance of sleep for both our gut and our brain health. So our body needs time to rest and digest. If we are not allowing the body adequate time to rest and repair from work and stress, it's not going to be able to do the jobs we need it to do. Yes, sleep is so, so important. When we aren't well rested, the body produces a hormone called cortisol, which is a stress hormone. And with increased production of cortisol, we start this cycle of getting stressed, then not getting enough rest because of the stress, and ultimately this leads our gut to be unable to digest properly. So sometimes the most productive thing we can do for ourselves is just get a good night's sleep. I know this can be difficult to do as students between lots of social time, studying, and different clubs and societies that you're involved in. However, we really should never underestimate the power of a good night's sleep. I know it can be hard to get to bed earlier in the evening and ensure that we get a good night's sleep, though. Yeah, personally, I'm pretty lucky. I've never really had a hard time going to bed at a decent hour. I mean, I can't relate, but I'm trying to work on it. Yeah, so is there any tips or tricks that you've found have been working for you? Well, I mean, there's a number of different things you can try. Uh, Number one, which may be very difficult for a lot of people in today's world, is to shut down technology maybe an hour or two before going to sleep. Um, Again, engaging in things like a short breathing exercise or maybe meditation, which can help to relax your body to prepare for bedtime. Um, For other people, you know, creating a sleep routine to help cue your body to sleep may be the most helpful. 
So for me, I find, you know, an hour or two before I want to go to bed, maybe taking a hot shower, getting a hot cup of tea, and then trying to read a book about 20 minutes before going lights out. And that way I'm not on technology and I'm really trying to shut everything out. So it's important to find what works best for you and your sleep habits. Awesome. Yeah, maybe I've never really struggled with falling asleep because I always try and read a book before bed and that really does the trick for me. So we know we threw a lot of information your way today, but some key takeaways from today would definitely be to focus on a well-balanced and varied diet. So one that incorporates fruits, vegetables, nuts, seeds, and fish. We really don't want you guys to get caught up and fixated on specific nutrients because really no one nutrient is superior to the rest. Exactly. Everything really comes down to balance. It's important to actually enjoy the foods that you're eating because this has a huge impact on our mental well-being. If we're only eating to meet our nutrient needs, chances are we really won't be enjoying ourselves and we might leave the table unsatisfied. Yeah. Again, we want to thank you guys for tuning in. And if you like this podcast, please leave a review or share it with your friends, your family, whoever you think might like it. And if you have any additional questions regarding this topic or another topic, please don't hesitate to reach out to us on social media at Santa Vex Sport Nutrition. And please remember to always take care of your mental well-being. I'm Megan. And I'm Kelsey. And we want to thank you for listening to Expert Sport Nutrition. We'll see you you next time. time.